when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I am uber excited. I have a great guest. He's coming to us from the city by the bay. No, I'm not going to sing the whole time. I promise you. His name is Steve Hoffman. And he's with Founders Space, and today we're going to talk about how to scale your business using ecosystems. So, Steve, man, how the heck are you? Brian, it's fantastic to be here, and I am doing well. Dude, that's excellent. We had a great pre-talk, and you dropped some incredible knowledge bombs. And I'm really looking forward to getting your perspective on scaling a business. But before we do that, I want my audience to know your origin story. So how did you go from somebody doing manga, which is Japanese comics and doing translations for those, to getting companies to play Jenga, which is basically scaling their business, their tower, without making it crumble? Well, I can tell you, you I have a mixed background, right and left brain. So I studied electrical computer engineering, hardcore engineering. I also got a master's degree in media, film and television. Then I went off and became a Hollywood TV executive, which was an amazing experience. And while I was doing that job, one of the producers, his cousin was the founder of the video game company, Sega. And now this was in the 90s. Sega was huge. They had just overtaken Nintendo and I got invited to go to Japan. And my job was to think up new ideas for video games. So I couldn't turn it down. I'm a gamer. I love games. I went to Japan. We, I worked on a big project with none other than Michael Jackson at the time. He, I met him. He came to our offices in Japan. We were doing the space simulation ride that was put in Las Vegas. Really cool stuff. And I was also into Japanese comic books. So I, I was working and collaborating with other people, and they were actually doing the, the hardcore translation. What I would do is just for fun, I did this just for fun, I would rewrite the comic, the, their translations in English that is more colloquial, like Americans would actually talk, dialogue, because I had gone to film school. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of these were the top manga out there. Like you might know the series if you're into comic books, Naruto, huge one, The Ring, all these top series. So it was really fun endeavor. Mm-hmm. When I left Japan, I wanted to be an entrepreneur because that's in my blood. So I started my own company in Silicon Valley. I went on to found three venture-funded companies in Silicon Valley. And after that, I'm doing what I do today. I am a venture investor, so I invest in other entrepreneurs, and I run Founder Space, which is a global startup incubator and accelerator. Very cool. So... 
as business owners, a lot of us start as entrepreneurs. And so then we start to maybe add some people to our team and maybe they want to grow it some. And I think there's two kinds of entrepreneurs. There's like the family business where, you know, it just goes from generation to generation. And the other kind is somebody who starts a business with a great idea, gets it to a point where they can sell it, right? And scale it up to make enough money that they can just sit around and meditate all the time. So what would be the perceived problem that those kind of entrepreneurs have as they're trying to scale their business to sell it, say? So a lot of people approach the problem in a wrong, the wrong way. Sure. They think, I've got to build a product. I've got to build a product, get it out there. They're really focused on building a single product for a single customer. Well, that can be good. Right. It's not the type of businesses that scale as well as what I call platform plays. So I'm from Silicon Valley. And when we look at a business, when I invest in a business, I am looking for a business that is focused on building not a product, but building an ecosystem. And let me explain to you how this works. So when you are building a product, you are looking to solve a problem the customer has, which is great. And you can solve that problem and you can get money. But if you want to be truly scalable, what you need to do is think about not just how you solve a specific problem the customer has, but how do you build a business that engages the customer on an ongoing basis, that basically gets the customer himself or herself to invest in the platform itself. Now, I can, I'll give you an example of this to make it really clear. Okay. So one of the pioneers of cloud computing was salesforce.com. And Mark Benioff, he's a genius. He was like, okay, everything's moving into the cloud. I'm going to put CRM in the cloud. Well, he built a, an incredible, especially for the time, CRM product. Now, this product was great um, and it was making a lot of money. But the true genius of Mark Benioff was to say, no, we don't just want a product because there are going to be other CRM products that come out. And like, if you look around today, Salesforce isn't necessarily the best CRM product. I mean, they have products that are cheaper. They have products that are easier to use, much easier user interfaces. They have products with features that, that Salesforce doesn't have. But none of these can really compete with Salesforce because they have built a platform and surrounding that an entire ecosystem. What they did was instead of just sticking with the product, the CRM product, what Salesforce does is it allows third parties to come into this, this ecosystem and build applications for these customers. So when a customer integrates with Salesforce, they're not just integrating with the CRM product. They end up integrating with all these other third parties, each one offering different pieces of value to certain customers. That, that total package makes it very, very hard for the customer, once they're integrated with Salesforce, to switch to somebody else. Because all these third parties, most of them are just working with Salesforce. Why? Because Salesforce is the largest platform out there for CRM. All the other guys, the new people may have something better, but no, none of the third parties want to take a chance. So you get this marketplace, this network effect. And that's what I want your audience to think about. Right. And... I think a really good example of this is Apple, right? I mean, they built a phone, but then they built a marketplace. Exactly. And that was the 
impetus for them to get more people involved in that process. You 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 could imagine Apple where where the iPhone where Apple made all the apps. Like Apple does a good job with apps, but it would be so much more limited than what they have today. So what you have today is this robust ecosystem where there are all these app developers around the world using all their creativity and resources to develop apps for Apple's platform, their iPhone platform. And then you have consumers coming in. We're using the apps and not only are we using them, but we're rating them. So we're telling other people which apps are worth focusing on. So that creates another value. So the more you can get people to contribute uh, the more you can get third parties and customers to actually feed into your ecosystem, creating value for everybody else, the more powerful you have and the more scale, ultimately scalable your system is. Right. Okay. Somebody like Apple, I mean, that was a big company to start with, so they could easily scale. They had money and stuff. But what about a smaller business? What do you think is the real problem stopping them from understanding how to scale it and grow it as quick as they want to? So the biggest challenge is a lot of people can't really get beyond where they are today. Whatever product or service they're offering, they're sort of stuck on. Mm -hmm. So the first thing they need to understand are the fundamental drivers of growth. So the fundamental, the two most important things are number one, your team, you have to have an excellent team. And number two, customer acquisition. Mm -hmm. Well, both of those are really expensive. Like it costs a lot to hire people and it costs a lot to acquire new customers. Mm -hmm. So I tell founders, if you have a business, whatever business it is, when you grab onto a customer, when you get a new customer, never let go of that customer mm -hmm. and never give the customer a reason to leave. And the way you do this is when that customer engages with you, they don't just buy your product or service once and go away. Like if they buy your product and you don't see them again for 10 years or ever, then you have to go out and acquire a new customer and another customer, and then they just go away. Really hard to scale that business. What you want to do is get that customer using your product or service, and you will continually be giving them value. You will be giving them more value over time, and in return, they will be giving you their money. Now, this, this, if you look at almost every big company out there uh, that, ha that has grown really fast in the past 20 years, they do this. Amazon, right? You know, you, every time you go into Amazon, you're giving Amazon a little more money and they're always giving you more value. They have a whole ecosystem. You're reviewing products. They have third-party sellers, the whole thing. Facebook, every time you go onto Facebook, you're contributing your content, making the ecosystem richer, interacting with people, contributing, and in return, uh, they are sending you ads. Like a little, they're making little bits of money off of you from all these ads. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's how it works. In your business, when you are doing this, mm -hmm. what I like to say is you want to, number one, get a customer in, lock them in by giving them a way to actually build value in your ecosystem. So the more they participate, the more value it has to them. And if they decide to leave to a competitor, then they lose that value. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that is key. So... Um, as entrepreneurs out there, everyone needs to think about a strategy for taking your existing product today and saying, wow, how can I build an ecosystem? Who can I, 
How can I get the customers to contribute more to this? Are there third parties, vendors, suppliers, other people, that I, uh, consultants that I could bring into here and actually allow them to make money too by interacting through my platform with my customers? Right. So in the B2B world, one of the things I have to imagine is it's harder to get people addicted to things like at our house, we're addicted to having groceries show up at our doorstep. You know, we order them and they just come. So in the B2B space, what's the solution to getting people to keep you top of mind and get addicted to the product or service that you're providing them? So you get people addicted by what I say is providing extreme value. It can't be something. So out there in the real world, there are pent up pockets of demand mm -hmm. of people out there, especially in the B2B world, who have something they want to do, but aren't able to do it today. There's nobody else providing it. Or they're able to do it, but because new technology, technology is always evolving, you can actually come in there and uh, create a lot more value for them, allow them to do it much more efficiently, allow them to be much more profitable. What you need to do as an entrepreneur the most important thing to growing uh, your business rapidly is identify those pent up pools of demand. Mm -hmm. and, and this is why I call anybody out there who's running a business, they are, and they're looking to, to grow that business, they are demand hunters. So how do you find demand? Well, the best way is to go to your existing customers and actually engage them. Sure. See, are there things, are there things that you're doing that take a lot of time that are a real headache? Are there things that you would like to do that you can't do? Are there places where other people are providing you similar products or service, but you're unsatisfied? It's not really meeting your goals or your expectations. All of these are potential pockets of demand. And what you do is if you identify some of these that seem, wow, we could solve that problem much better than anybody else has, then you look for how large is this demand? Is it a Are there a lot of other customers out there like this? And is it a problem that really matters to them? Is it in their top five priorities? Because I'll tell you, if it's not in their top five, they could tell you this would be nice to have, but nobody buys a nice to have product. It has to be in their top five priorities. So if you meet those criteria, then you, you usually have something and you can go to the next step, which is prototyping it. Excellent. So what you've kind of done is laid out the steps. Number one is talk to your customers and define their needs. The second one is make sure it's in their top five needs at that point and research it. And then number three is prototype the solution and get it out there and see what people think. But if people do this and build this kind of ecosystem, then what's the with them? What is in it for them? What's the outcome? What can they expect by doing what you're talking about? Sure. So well, first of all, I will tell your audience, what do your customers get out of it? Well, they get a great product or service. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you get out of it is you get not just their money, but more importantly, a relationship with the customer. Bingo. You get an ongoing relationship where you are constantly listening to what they want because your customers, they can't really tell you how, you know, what the next big innovation is or, you know, design your product for you, but they can always tell you what outcomes they want, what needs they have. And on an ongoing basis, you need to continually 
monitor this. What are they doing? Where are they going? We, you know, those are the opportunities for expanding your platform to include more revenue streams, to include deeper revenue streams, and to provide a, a path for growth. Cool. So how about a success story around that? So we work with a lot of startups at Founderspace, like startups all over the world. I'll tell you about one. It's called EQBot. So when EQBot launched, uh, we incubated them and they had an incredible idea. They were going to be the first AI powered ETF. Hmm. So exchange traded fund powered solely by AI. When they launched it, it just went ballistic, like literally uh, Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, you, L, you know, LA Times, New York Times, everybody wrote about them because they were the first ones to do it. So they got a huge influx of money, like very quickly went over a billion dollars that they were managing. Hmm. But they were, at that point, they were just a product. They were a, an ETF, a single ETF. When, when we were working with them, what they did next was really the right thing. They said, an ETF is fine, but we can only make so much money on an ETF. What we want to do is take this product and service, this ETF that we offer people, and now we're going to build a platform around it. So they built a platform for corporations and, and other organizations that have pension funds, they can be nonprofits, to actually use AI to manage their entire portfolio. Mm. So they took a very narrow product, which is very popular and profitable, but then they built out a much wider uh, platform and ecosystem where they get all these parties in there and they start allowing them to get on their platforms and just manage these huge pension funds and, and these, these uh, different organizations, all their investments through AI. Excellent. And this really resonates with me because it's kind of how I built my company. And I've been working on it over the years, and my one desire was to make myself unfireable. I mean, I wanted it to be where they used our services and made so many sales and got addicted to it that they kept coming back for more, and it literally made us unfireable. And the kind of way we do this is imagine we created a slot machine where they put in a buck and they pull the lever and every time they do 10 bucks comes out and they get really excited about that. Absolutely. And now they come back and say, hey, can you make us another slot machine? So we make another one and they've got $2 and they put them in, they pull both handles and they go, whoa, can you make us a third one? And I kind of say, mm. Not really. Number one, I think you're going to oversaturate your market. Number two, I don't want to know how you're going to pull that third handle. But to me, this has been inspiring and really affirming in the way that we've built this ecosystem. So tell people how they can learn more about you. What's the best way to do that? So I'm very easy to find. Just go to founderspace.com founder space. You can reach out to me. I have my books there, you know, Make Elephants Fly, which is an innovation book, Surviving a Startup, which is exactly that, teaches entrepreneurs how to survive. And my latest book, The Five Forces That Change Everything, which is all about how technology is reshaping business and our lives. So go to founderspace.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn. You just search for Steve Hoffman or Founderspace. 
Excellent. Well, Steve, I so appreciate you and your time, and thanks for coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. I appreciate you and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon. <laughs>